0: Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. I faced it all, and I stood tall, and did
1: it my way. Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. I am sitting with my co-host and partner and attorney, who should be your attorney. He is the one, the only <laughs> Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? All Thank right. you for I those was, kind comments. I was going to say Michael M. Cohen, just like I did last week in the show. And you said, what's the M? Well, M was about the University of Miami and Janet Reno and... Um, giving away her home when she passed away and that mess. But M is going to be for March Madness as well. Speaking of M, because there's lots of madness going on this month. And you have madness, of course, all the time. You've got clients all over the country, you just told me before the show, and situations, especially in Florida, it looks like, where a lot of people I have found... Uh, Move to Florida, have homes in Florida, live in Florida, move to Texas, and you've reinforced that uh, today, talking about that before the show. And today we have a, a situation regarding a power of attorney, an individual who owned property in Florida, and the can of worms that opened up eventually for him.
2: Well, the problem in this case is, we'll just call him dad. Okay, dad. Dad. Um, has property in Florida. Mm -hmm. Dad is toward the very end of life. Where does dad live? He now lives in Texas. Okay. Dad had, his home is in Florida, but he moved to Texas. Got it.
1: How long ago did he
2: move? Just a matter of a couple months ago. A couple months ago, okay, very good. Uh, so he moved in 2020.
1: 20, so that's probably January.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. great.
1: So he moves to
2: to Texas, or or, at le- or certainly no later than, not earlier than 2019, the end of 2019. But whatever it is, he moved to Texas. But he's in frail condition, uh, and has questionable capacity, uh, and. Here he had he, – they put his property up for sale in Florida. Now, the uh, the realtor is very concerned. She said, we need to have – now, th- Dad had created a will. He actually originally lived in New York. Hmm. He lived in New York, moved to Florida, and now has moved to to Texas to be where some other family members now live. Okay. Son. All right, so – so what's the problem? First of all, he had a New York will, mm-hmm. and he was trying to sell property in Florida. He hadn't died, so that you say, well, what's the difference with the will? Mm. Okay, well, the the realtor's concerned that what happens if they place the property up for sale, and he dies, he's towards the end of life, mm. and so they don't want to have a s- sale killed. And they don't want to have because if you have if he lives in Texas and then you and you have a will that's first of all out of state uh, and you have to probate the will where the where the person lives so that would be in Texas and then you may have to get approval of the Florida court after you get the approval of the Texas court which could delay if not kill a closing. And you don't need New York approval, though. No, okay. no. But you have. So in Texas, that gets into another interesting point. Mm-hmm. Will a will from another state be approved in the state that you reside? Okay. And that's going to depend on the state. So in Texas, until about seems like four or five years ago, it I hadn't seen one will that ever. Uh, that was good in another state. That was good in Texas, because there would be. It's not that it wasn't a valid will. It just didn't comply with Texas rules, and so then you'd have to go through extra steps. So, for example, in the what we call the self-proving affidavit, at the end of a will, generally, if it was done properly, you have uh, a statement from the witnesses before the notary that says, "Okay." You were over 18 when you signed that will, and the witnesses were each over the age of 14, and they signed it in your presence and in the presence of each other, and you are a sound disposing mind and memory, and you swear to it. You raise your – the notary swears you in. And if you don't do exactly those procedures, then you have to go to what the state's code says is next. You might have to bring the witnesses or have their depositions if they're from another state. Or or perhaps somebody has to identify the handwriting. There's different things. Where there's a will, there's a way. But you have to go through the different procedures when it's not done properly. Mm -hmm. However, in Texas uh, – like I said, four or five years ago it seems like. Uh, Time flies when you're having fun. The the law changed, it said if you, it was good in the other state at the time that you did the will, then it will be recognized in Texas. You just have to prove either by showing what the law is of that state or getting some attorney from that state to verify that it was good and valid under the laws of that state. At least that's the way it is in Texas. So, However, I don't know what the laws are in Florida. I'm not authorized to practice law in Florida, so I can't give you legal advice as to Florida. But the, uh, the in this case, the it was obviously a concern of the realtor because she was thinking, oh, my goodness, If dad, who's not a spring chicken and who's in frail condition, Mm -hmm. dies, then it could kill a sale because now we're going to be delayed by having, uh, you know, different probates in different states. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, closing
1: time is of the essence. Is there a significant difference in the laws um, when you compare New York to Texas or Florida, to the best of your knowledge?
2: As far as which part? As far as wills? Probate? Yes, there Any is. Of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh huh. There's a lot of states are different uh, because the process is more difficult for probate. Okay. So if you went, for example, to California, it's notorious that the, you'll be tied up in the courts for a couple years at least. My. And so in, in California, for example, and I'm not giving legal advice for those people, I'm not licensed in California, but it's well known that most, that it's you should have a revoc- people in California often have revocable living revocable. trust. Okay. And by the way, that would have also solved the problem, And that is what the realtor was saying that you should do is have a revocable living trust, therefore put the property in the trust. Therefore, you would avoid probate in both Texas and Florida and therefore it just the property the the alternate trustee if if dad couldn't act as trustee or if maybe if he had renamed named somebody else as a trustee then they could immediately sell and there's no problem so a lot of times this is an this is a uh, a reason for a revocable living trust by the way is probate avoidance especially when you have property out of state there are certain things that you look for uh, a lot of times, when you determine whether you should do a revocable living trust or not, sometimes it's probate. It's probably the most common thing is probate avoidance. Right. Also, it could be uh, avoidance of guardianship or taxes, or what?
1: No? Ta- taxes to taxes. avoid paying taxes. Um.
2: Well, I mean it. It could. It, it depends. Uh-huh. You know, there, different states have different estate taxes. Some people have – you know, in Texas, there's no estate tax except for what the the feds have. Okay. Uh, so right now, if your estate is under $11,580,000, there's no estate tax. Okay, But if you go to your former home state of Pennsylvania – It's a lot more – a lot different. They have it if it's – and I can't speak for the dollar amount, Mm -hmm. but if you have a certain dollar amount, uh, then you have a state estate tax. Got it. Uh, I do not – I can't speak for – Pennsylvania, if that's the case anymore, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But a lot of different states have different, all sorts of different taxes that we may not have in Texas. In New Jersey, there was even a talk about having a that Governor of New Jersey recently had proposed a millionaire tax. If you had over made over a millionaire million dollars, then you were going to have an additional
1: tax. Is that the current Governor Murphy? Uh, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it, it didn't it didn't pass,
2: by the way. But mm-hmm. I, in fact, I told an attorney who happened to call me for some advice. On a certain situation for them, uh, I said, oh, "Will you tell your governor we have enough out-of-state residents? Uh, we're going to build a wall around Texas." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, so anyway, the um, the bottom line is is that. Um, there' are different rules in different states okay and okay. so what and so so if you have a will in one state some some states would say it may not be good mm-hmm. and some states will say well, if you could show that it was good in your state so so here's that issue uh, especially for those people who were um, just moved here from other states well mm-hmm. should we review it and do you have property in another state if you do generally it's recommended to have a living trust or some sort of trust where you could put the property deed the property into the trust and therefore, it avoids probate. Also, in this case, uh, Dad had um, you know, a questionable capacity. So if he lacked mental capacity, if the power of attorney didn't give it the authority that was needed, mm-hmm. then if it was in a trust, it would always be recognized, and so you wouldn't have to worry about going to court for guardianship. Mm-hmm. So that was what the um, uh, realtor had recommended, but we're really concerned – I said there are other options, and I'm real concerned about um, whether we could act quickly because it takes a little bit of time to set up a, tr- a revocable living trust. Now, by the way, revocable trusts have other advantages, like uh, besides probate and avoidance and avoidance of guardianship, at least as far as the assets that are put into the trust, there's privacy. You know, when you have a will, uh, it's a matter of public knowledge. So you can see the will, and perhaps there might be an inventory, and some people want privacy. and t- Particularly in today's world, there are so many people who are out to see everybody else's information. And so it's not necessarily that you think that, uh, you know, who's going to look this thing up? But nowadays, everything seems to be... Uh, everybody knows everybody else's business. That's the information age. So uh, anyway, so some people want privacy sometimes, and they and it's also quicker. You don't have to go by the state's laws. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to worry about probate in Texas and in Florida. I just go by your own laws. You make your own rules when you have a trust. Mm-hmm. That's not to say everybody should have a trust, by the way. Uh, sometimes it's better to have a will, and sometimes it's better to have a trust. Uh, and as you'll see, in this case, I said sometimes it's better to have neither. Huh.
1: Okay. Very good. And right. We will stop you right there. I want to ask you about that, and I think a lot of listeners do too. I want to talk about your next workshop, which is Thursday, March the 26th, or the one after that is Saturday, April the 11th. Thursday is 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and Saturday is at 10 o'clock in the morning. You have the option of either, and I highly recommend you get on one of the waiting lists or just sign up for them now. You can bring a significant other if you'd like, but it would be two Free hours of estate planning or government assistance discussion where you go to the workshop, you get a coffee, you get a drink, you get a donut, you get a pastry of some sort, and you get to sit down and listen to my talk about estate planning, but it's not a seminar. It's a workshop where there's dialogue and interaction. It's not just being spoon-fed or force-fed information about those two areas, which is much more enjoyable, and you get to ask a question about your individual circumstances.
2: Yeah, you're not limited to just one question. You could just, oh, you just ask questions throughout. It's interactive, like you said, and so Mm-mm. you see what somebody else asks, and then you say, well, gee, there's something I don't understand, or maybe I'm thinking about my own individual situation, how it reflects, uh, how it may um, uh, might be a beneficial to you to find out an answer that uh, you didn't know. And so we just say, what is it is you want to know? And for two hours, we kind of have um, some discussion. It's a dialogue as to what's important to y'all, that is those people who are in the workshop, as to whatever it is that you want to know. And if you do go to that two uh, free hours of the uh, State Planning Essentials Workshop, then you also, as you may have mentioned are entitled to a 1-hour vision meeting in other words where you get to we look at your situation one on one but only if you go to the estate planning essentials workshop first because we want to make sure you're educated before you have a a free meeting uh, t- together one on one so uh, to all you have to do to, to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop is to call 214 720 0102 that's 214 214- Seven two oh oh one oh two or sign up online at dallas dot com
1: that's dallas dot com now you said trust or will or none of the above
2: yeah, yeah, When is none of the above well in? so so here I said, okay, you know we're really concerned about dad who's at the end of life mm-hmm Maybe we should that you know since it takes a while to do a trust because you have to you know get with people then you have to fund the trust when funding means and that's the biggest mistake that people make is retitling the assets into the name of the trust. So if you have an investment account instead of your individual name, it would be the Don Crawford Jr. Family Trust or Mm -hmm. something like that, Mm -hmm. Uh, or whatever you want to call it. You can call it any name you want, by the way. We've had all sorts of different names that are kind of funny that people call things. But whatever it is, you could just call it the trust, but you have to retitle. In other words, you change the account from your individual name and go to the bank or or financial institution Mm -hmm. and uh, change the name of the account uh, or open up a new account in the name of the trust. That's the biggest, though, mistake that people make. Sometimes you list them, uh, let's say the assets on the on the schedule, and people just think that that does it, but mm-hmm. that doesn't do it.
1: You've yeah. always said you've got to make sure the asset is put into it. Right,
2: right. You always have a pour-over will just in case, mm-hmm. but that defeats the purpose. That's kind of an insurance policy that if you screwed up. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so if uh, if you had an investment account, okay, it's whatever you call the trust and trustee of the trust. Uh, so uh, in this, ca- so here there was probably six different accounts, and so that means he, that uh, dad, who was already in frail condition, would have to go to change the you know all the assets which dad might do mm-hmm. uh, but in addition to deeding the property into the trust and then you got to sign personal property to the trust so there's different things that you have to do mm-hmm. when you create a trust um, I thought that the uh, that what because what was the goal of the realtor the realtor's goal was to say okay I don't want to have be delayed by probate. And that's why the idea of the revocable Living Trust, and that certainly would work. But is that the only way? Is that the only way that uh, it could be done? Well, maybe, maybe not. So let's think about other options in case there was a real rush. All right, what happens if Dad signs either a Lady Bird deed or a transfer on death deed? What's that? okay. A deed that says, or a deed with reservation of life estate, if it's just a strict deed with reservation of life estate, although we probably wouldn't want that in this case uh, because we want to have dad have full value, have the full home until he dies. The reason why we want that is we want to step up in basis on all assets, including the home, uh, so that there would be no capital gains tax when this property is sold. Uh, if the he, you know, when you have a homestead, you get up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars gain, and if you keep it till you die, you get about va- the value as of the date of death. So there would be no capital gains tax if the kids sold it immediately, uh, because uh, there's been a step up, even if they had inherited the property. Okay. So, so now, okay. So if you had a deed that says upon my death the property goes to my two children, well, does that not avoid probate? Yeah, at least it does as far as that property and what was the goal of the realtor. I don't want to be delayed by having property in either state. Perfect. Okay, now let's talk about that for a second to see if that would even work. What could be the issues about the uh, signing of the Lady Bird deed, or the, which is an enhanced life estate deed, a deed that says – we often use it, by the way, in Medicaid, because for Medicaid, the state has a right – if you're, right, say, on public benefits, let's say you're uh, in a nursing home – or assisted living or getting care at home where the government helps pay for care costs. They have a right to make a claim to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced if you're single, as in this case. And so... We, they, they go after things that go by will and this would go by other by, by will it's going by deed and thus it avoids estate recovery, the right of the state to make a successful claim.
1: And it well, gives the owner of the asset total control while he's alive.
2: Right, right. So you kept the property taxes remain the same, mm-hmm. you get the step up in basis. If you change your mind, you could change your mind. You Beautiful. could do whatever you want if you sell the property and uh, we had one that we just did a ladybird deed just yesterday where they had had a ladybird before but we i you change, we did a new Lady Bird deed to go to a trust, and there were some reasons because we wanted to have uh, protection in case the the child died, that, uh, that would go to her children who were minors, and we have an underage trust inside the trust mm-hmm. uh, until they're 25 years old for use for their education or in case she was disabled. And remember, in our world, bad things happen to people, so instead of it just going to an individual, they wanted more protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in any event, uh, so what would be the Problem of having a ladybird deed or a transfer on death deed. Well, what happens if he lacked mental capacity? Now, mm-hmm. well, first of all, how do you determine mental capacity? Right. All right. Well, maybe what we'll do, uh, what we've suggested, is to go to uh, the dad's neurologist to make sure that there is capacity. I've examined Dad, and at the time I examined Dad, he had the the mental capacity to do this deed. But what if he didn't have the legal capacity to do the deed? Mm -hmm. Well, can I rely upon the power of attorney? Maybe. Maybe. Why do you say maybe? Well, how do I know? First of all, how do I know? That the – well, first of all, does the power of attorney give the authority to sell real estate? The answer is generally yes or transfer real estate, yes. Good. But who was that property going to? It's going to go to the children. hmm And who is likely to be the agent under the power of attorney? One of the children. Bingo. Will a title company say that that was self-dealing? Right. Oh well, they just disregard it. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah, yeah. So, so will that work? And if you have at least in Texas, what uh, if you have a transfer on death deed? Um, you can't use a power of attorney. So you, uh, that's one of the rules. Now, I can't speak as to Florida, but here uh, a transfer on death deed, which is just a deed that says upon my death the property goes to so and so, that let's say children in this case. Uh, But you can't use a power of attorney for children, can't use a power of attorney to sign that deed on behalf of dad. Fascinating. Yeah. So now we have to say, well, what will a title company think? Oh, so in our world, we have to think not only what's capacity, is there another option, can we – what are the rules what are the ramifications what a title company is going to think what are the tax issues mm-hmm. uh so so there's lots of different things so we're right now we're examining uh that situation so we'll have uh the dad uh, have a capacity we'll prepare a capacity affidavit for the neurologist to sign i exam i saw dad and when i saw dad he had the capacity to do this deed, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, or trust, or whatever it is that I, you know, I thought of. he knew the bounty of his affection. He mm-hmm. knew this. There was no, we might even put in there is no undue influence, although that may not be uh, something that the doctor would sign. He really should just sign as to capacity. Why a doctor? Because a doctor that specializes so that if a title company said, or anybody said, well, how do we know that the person had capacity, now the title company who has the risk that the you know the deed wasn't good feels better that the person had capacity so that they could issue good title. Now what about other accounts? Well, I said that normally we do not recommend necessarily having beneficiary designations. But dad's at the end of life, can dad go to Merrill Lynch or whatever to say a beneficiary designation to avoid probate? So that you know, benefit, the contract supersedes a will.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a will. In fact, my recommendation is you still have a will, but because of the lateness in life and because of the, right now kids don't have bad things likely to occur before dad dies, right. that we may just do the beneficiary designations because the beneficiary designations supersede a will and it was less legal fees. Uh, quite frankly. And I said, okay, so avoid us doing the trust in this scenario because Dad is so close to the end of life, mm-hmm. and I don't want to delay the closing. So if we could do the ladybird deed or perhaps a transfer on death deed, uh, I gave some names of Florida attorneys since I'm not licensed there, mm-hmm. and and we will do beneficiary designations. Now, he said, that's great. I don't need an attorney. But in my world, I said, no, no, no. Yeah. I still think you should have different things. Let's just do this on a temporary basis. Right. But then we should have dad, assuming there's capacity, right. do a will or, or or perhaps a trust, depending on what dad wants, mm-hmm. because bad things do happen. Right. Uh, one of the kids has minor children. So let's say uh, there was a, a, a late uh, winter storm uh, that came to – to Dallas, Fort Worth area, and there's an icy day and he died uh, in a car accident or perhaps he took a slow boat, to, a cruise to China, uh, and uh, uh, he died, then the children might be the beneficiary, the grandchildren might be the beneficiary, and they are minors.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Or what happens again, like um, if, if he had become disabled, uh, then, then he can't handle things. So, uh, or maybe uh, the kid c- could have be sued and there could be marital issues or whatever it may be so we could compare, prepare for those different types of things, whatever it is that dad wants to insure against.
1: I want you to ensure that you don't make the kind of mistakes that people make when it comes to estate planning and say to yourself those three terrible words I should have. I should have. And Michael just implied that a minute ago about making certain you go to an attorney to be sure. Be certain by attending his next workshop, which is Thursday the twenty-sixth of March or Saturday the eleventh of April, go to dot DallasElderLawyer.com. Dallas you can Google Michael Cohen attorney and at Texas and that'll come up that way too if you want to remember it that way. Um, or dial two one four seven two zero zero one zero two two one four seven two zero zero one zero two. I take for granted that I've been doing this show for years and years with Michael. And he never reads one thing. So it'd be like sitting in in your house with your family member who's a rock star, but you never tell anybody that. They just are so multi-talented. You just take them for granted. And I don't ever want to do that with Michael. He reads nothing. It's all from his head and his heart. And that's why you should not only attend his next workshop, but make him your estate planning government assistant attorney. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, thank you for all of that today, sir.
2: Thank you, Don.